Yes, yes. What's good in the hood? This is the drop with SA Doc. Today is February 4th, 2023. It is a Saturday in the city of Las Vegas. Yes. Welcome. Welcome to the show. A lot of things going on in Las Vegas today. Uh, they have the uh, Fights of Fury 8 going on at the Westgate. With my man Ramon. So big ups to Never Quit Boxing Gym. And so we got a special episode today. Today's episode is called The Pillars of Hip Hop in Las Vegas. And this is somewhat of an introduction, um, not only into the origins of the, the music scene in Las Vegas and the Las Vegas, you know, hip hop and rap scene, but also uh, about your your host of the show, Mr. S.A. Doc, a.k.a. Doc Well. So, um, you know, grab a drink, get comfortable you know, or if you're listening on uh, Apple uh, Podcasts, because um, now we're on Apple Podcasts, uh, we're on Spotify, uh, we're on YouTube, so we're on all the platforms. And, you know, when I listen to podcasts, I like to listen on, you know, either Spotify or on uh, on Apple Podcasts. I mean, those are just my, uh, my preferred uh, methods of listening when I'm listening to podcasts. Uh, so again, you know, uh, if you're just hanging out, uh, maybe you're going to the gym and you got me in the headphones either way, I definitely appreciate you tuning in today. So, uh, a little background about me, right? Like, so who is SA doc? Who is your, 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 your show host? You know, who's the guy, (laughs) you know, who the fuck is this guy, you know, and, um, what's his background? What's his history? So, uh, so my family is from, uh, from Texas, uh, El Paso and from Juarez. Uh, my dad's from Texas. My mom is from Juarez and, uh, we moved to LA when I was about seven years old, me and my two sisters and my, my mom and dad. And, uh, so I went to elementary, um, when I was in LA and, uh, my first year of middle school at Bancroft middle school, it's in, uh, Hollywood. And, uh, and then we moved to Las Vegas when I was about 13, I want to say. So, uh, and I've been living in Las Vegas ever since. Um, but you know, when, when we first moved here, when my family first moved here from L.A., the vibe in Las Vegas was totally different than, you know, us living in L.A., even in different parts of L.A. Because when we lived in L.A. or in the Los Angeles area, you know, we lived in Hollywood. Uh, we lived in Pasadena with family. Uh, we were actually there uh, during like one of the big earthquakes I think it was like 84 or 85. (laughs) 
And uh, it, it was scary as shit. It was the scariest thing ever. Um, it was like early in the morning, right before school. And, um, you know, but yeah, I'll, I'll tell that story someday. <laughs> but um, so, so yeah, so the vibe, you know, was totally different in Las Vegas than anywhere where we lived in L.A. You know, uh, regardless of what, L.A. was somewhat friendly. Texas was friendly. Juarez, well, Juarez was crazy and shit. But even then, there was culture and people there. And, you know, so when we got to Las Vegas, I still remember it was like the summertime. And the first place we went to was downtown as soon as we got to Las Vegas. And all I remember is these casinos and they all have like these cowboy letters, like the California Hotel, right? And then all these cowboy looking things and, you know, pictures. And I'm like, what is this cowboy, like cowboy town? What is this? You know, that's the first, you know, impression that I got in, in coming to Las Vegas. But um, they did have these shrimp cocktails at the California Hotel. <laughs> They were 99 cents. Um, They're pretty good, you know. I think they they have them now, but they're not 99 cents. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, I mean, the the vibe in Las Vegas was totally different, man. You know, the the people here were different. They had like this snarky attitude, you know. Um, you know. Up up until that point, it wasn't very hard for me to make friends. You know, I had friends in in Juarez and in, in Texas. I had friends in L.A. You know, I remember having a lot of friends in L.A. as a kid. You know, leading right up to to my year in middle school. Uh, I think middle school there starts at sixth grade. It was either sixth grade or seventh grade. So. Um, but I had no problem, you know, making friends. And when I got to Vegas, it was just this totally different vibe, you know? So, um, cause back then it was around the time that, that MC hammer was going on and, you know, the hammer pants and, and all that. And it, so when I got here and it, going to middle school, Everyone had all these silky shirts, you know. I don't know if you remember, like, Kwame, right, <laughs> right? that had, like, the, the polka dot shirts, you know. Um, so everyone was on that tip. They had the dress shoes on, the shiny black dress shoes. Um, I guess, you know, they're dressing like, you know, like Big Daddy Kane used to dress back in the day, right, with the rayon shirts uh, and the MC Hammer pants and all that stuff. Well, I, I, I'm very West coast up until that point. Well, so, you know, South because, you know, Texas and all that, but, uh, but I was too young. So I, I kind of developed my swag and while I lived in LA. So, uh, when I came to Vegas, I had all my Levi's, <laughs> I had on some Fila's and my Latigra shirt, you know? That was the vibe. And here it's just, they were looking at me like I was just, I don't know, some kind of 
stranger. Like, what the hell? You got Levi's on, the Tigris shirts. Now, needless to say that a few years after that, everyone was dressing the way that I was dressed. Okay. A couple years later, everyone started, you know, once Menace's Society came out <laughs> and Blood In, Blood Out and all those movies, everyone in Vegas kind of switched up and, you know, started wearing, not to say that there wasn't, you know, folks already out here that, that were wearing the Levi's and, you know, and had that whole style going on. Uh, there was, I'm just saying it wasn't the, the, the popular, you know, uh, fashion at that time. Uh, and then after that, it's just, you know, it, it, that was adopted a few years later. Everyone had on the Levi's and the button up shirts and, or, you know, the, the polo shirts and all that. So, but, uh, so I say that because, you know, I, I, I really, I, I feel awkward, you know, when I first, uh, got here, it, it was really awkward for me. And the only way that I, I could really make friends was, um, um, was through music, you know, um, I made friends uh, through through music. Music has been a constant my whole life. When uh, hip-hop first came out, and, you know, again, we're talking late 70s, early 80s, right? So uh, I remember breakdancing on some of the platforms, on some of the statues, They'd be on major intersections in Juarez. So they'd have these big statues and then they had like this large platform, elevated platform that they were on. And I remember going up there and I just break dance, you know, and I kind of liked the attention because people would, you know, honk their horns and things like that. And I try out all my latest moves. So I, I enjoyed the attention. But, you know, hip hop and rap culture. That's something that I've known my whole life, you know, since the inception. That's all I've known, you know. But, you know, besides seeing it on TV, I've never really seen anyone live. And this is now, you know, fast forward into where I'm living in Las Vegas. Uh, I've never really seen any uh, live performances uh, back in the day, they used to have uh, these like 97.5, I think it was Power 97.5 or Power 98 or something like that. Uh, but they, they were the powerhouse dances. And, you know, basically they had a DJ playing. It was at Thomas and Mac. And, you know, they'd have performances. I remember um, uh, this one powerhouse dance, um, Kid Frost and Mellow Manace were there. And it was kind of cool because I, uh, I got a glimpse of them, uh, kind of, um, behind the scenes. I remember, uh, I was outside and then I, I, I saw him, it was me and, and my friend Juan Montoya, who I had gone, gone to the, the, the powerhouse dance with. And, uh, me and him used to do this whole like dance routine and, you know, show up and show out. <laughs> We killed it too. Um, so yeah, so we're outside and I see uh Kid Frost getting out of this um 
I don't know the 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 Fifth Avenue cars. I don't know if you I, Chrysler makes them. I think I'm not sure, but you know the Fifth Avenue. They're like these little boxy cars, the Fifth Avenues. And so I saw him getting out of that car, and I guess they were hot boxing, right? Because as soon as they got out of the car, you see all this smoke disperse, <laughs> and I was like, "Yo, that's that's Kid Frost right there," you know. And uh, him and Metal Manace were were performing that night. So, um, Kid Frost, by the way, or Frost, because I don't think, I think he dropped the kid. I don't think he goes by Kid Frost anymore, uh, is the godfather of Latin rap or Chicano rap, right? Whatever you want to call it. And there's been some disputes, right? About if this is so, if it's not so. Now, there was other Mexican or Chicano rappers or Latin rappers making music, right? But we're talking about the West Coast music scene, you know, because in New York, of course, there was, you know, mad Puerto Rican rappers putting music out. But on the West Coast, as far as the Mexicans, there was no Mexicans on MTV. Uh, The Rico Suave guy, was on TV, but that guy didn't really represent. <laughs> he didn't really represent um, your your typical Mexican, you know, on the West Coast. But Frost did. He was putting out the uh, the lowrider culture, you know, Mexican culture, the cholo culture. Um, so he was more displaying things uh, it, it, how we saw them and how we experienced them, you know, every day. So, uh, big ups to Frost, you know, for, for opening the doors. La Raza is still a hit, you know, up until this day. And uh, it's an iconic song that'll live forever. Again, there was other Mexican rappers that were already doing it back then. Um, I think like Brownside, you know, was out. Um, a, a lot lighter shade of brown was out around that same time as well. Right. Lighter Shade of Brown actually had, you know, they were on, they had, they were on MTV. They were on the radio. They're still on the radio. But, um, you know, Kid Frost is, is iconic. Um, and again, aside from Lighter Shade of Brown, there really wasn't, you know, anyone else that, that was on the radio or on MTV representing. So big ups to, to Frost. So, um, so again, the show is, is about the pillars of the Las Vegas music scene, right? So if you're a rapper in Las Vegas, you're an artist in Las Vegas, you need to know your roots as far as who was doing music out here, who was doing hip hop, who was doing rap music out here in Vegas, who, who was the first artist that were really doing things out here in Las Vegas and, uh, how is SA doc relevant, <laughs> Right. Um, well, let me tell you, um, the first like local rap show that I attended in Las Vegas was at Sunset Park. And the first group that, that I saw perform was a group uh, that went by Brown Soldiers and uh, headed by Al Loco. And... Uh, 
and, and it was dope. And I remember looking at him because by that time I was already writing and, you know, I was writing and, and rapping. And, you know, so I saw these guys and I'm like, hey, I could do that, you know, but it, they were the first ones that, you know, that I saw I saw doing it and they put they put on a really good show. So uh, the second group that, you know, that, that I was aware of back then. Uh, was Murderous Click. Now, Murderous Click actually had a tape. <laughs> so, um, I was bumping the Murderous Click tape. You know, it was dope. And uh, they were local. And, and they are representing, you know, the town. And, and it was just really dope music. So, Murderous Click, you know, came before we did. And Al Loco came before we did. I want to say the Doomsday as well, right? But, you know, I had up until that point, I hadn't really heard too much about Doomsday. Um, I heard about Murderous Click way before I heard about Doomsday. Well, not way before, but, you know, before. So, uh... So again, I was really, you know, I was already rapping around that time. And, um, you know, uh, now as, as far as what I sounded like back in the day, <laughs> what I sounded like back in the day, um, I probably sounded like uh, a mix of like Brother Lynch and, and Selly Cell. And that was my, my rap style, you know, uh, because from the beginning, I never wanted to do Chicano rap. Or Mexican rap, you know, from the beginning, I, I've always wanted to make music at the highest levels, lyrically. So up to the level of the music that was already out, that was dominated by black artists. They set the quality standards and they did. They were dope. So here's Mexican me. <laughs> and um, looking at, at, at all these other rappers, right? And I kind of told myself, well, how can you separate yourself, you know, from these other Mexican rappers that are putting music out? And I said, well, I want to sound like these guys. I want to sound like the standard of the music. Right. So the music standard at that time was like what Sully Cell, you know, Brother Lynch, Bone, NWA, right? Rock him. So I, I wanted to sound like them because they're the ones that I saw as high quality they set the standard so you know i, I kind of had this whole thing right and and again not at all to to make this uh in any sort of way racial right Black and brown are in a better place 
than we were before. You know, relation-wise. When I discuss uh, the music, you know, black and brown, right? Um, this is merely a way to... Um, I guess to uh, kind of set a base understanding as to the the originators of the music, and then Brown came after, as far as the Mexicans came after, right? And you know, so the Mexicans, in a sense, and the, and this again goes to you know Eminem and everyone saying, hey, well Eminem is like an Elvis, right? Because he came in and and he's doing black music. And he's he's using it to make himself, and I think he said it, using it to make himself wealthy, right? So these are just merely the facts. This is just what it is. You have Mexicans that you know are coming in, in in, in black culture, which is hip hop culture, and and taking their stab at it. But the reason why we did that is. For me, for example, a Mexican kid that, again, was breakdancing in the streets of Juarez when hip-hop first came out. <laughs> um, this was my music. A lot of Mexicans feel and felt that same way. Because we've been supporting hip-hop music. We've been supporting rap music since it started and we go through the very same or at least extremely similar struggles in this country. So, of course, the music spoke to us. We almost adopted this music as our own. <laughs> and... You know, there, there's, you know, quite a lot of Mexican kids that adopted this music as their own. Uh, and this culture, not even the music, but um, the culture, they adopted this culture as their own. But again, from the beginning, I never wanted to sound like a, a Chicano rapper. I, I really wanted to sound the best possible way that I can sound and put out the best music that I could given the current standard. I didn't want to create a different standard, a lower standard. I wanted to meet the high quality standard that was already there. So, um, so again, as far as the uh, you know the the artists that were already doing music out here in uh, in Vegas, so uh, I knew going back to Clica One and and how how that started, because Clica One, Clica One, is uh, it's the next group that's a pillar in Las Vegas. So again, we have Murderous Click, and we have Al Loco. We have Doomsday, and now enter Click One, or Click Out One. I knew Bad Boy as a little homie from around the way. And he introduced me to Romero and Brown, 
when they were forming Click I One. And I would hang out with them at the studio, you know, when they were recording the first underground album. Uh, this was over at a place called uh, Prodigy Records over on East Charleston. So kind of by Charleston and Eastern in, in that area back there. There was a little building and they, there was a studio back there. Uh, and this was uh, Stone Paxton's studio. So, and, uh, you know, big ups to Stone Paxton. I know he's uh, he's making music. He's uh, He's on the Instagram, on the interwebs. So look him up, you know, go ahead and, and support the music, check out the new music. So I recorded a few songs over there with them and was kind of like an unofficial member of the group. You know, um, the group had a large following uh, and in part was uh, because of the Geraldo family and extended friends and families. You know, it's probably about a hundred about a hundred guys and girls, you know, they were all very close knit. They showed a lot of love and, um, and a lot of support, you know, and that really created a, a vibe, you know, all those people, all that energy created the vibe that was captured on the records, you know? So, um, and then as far as, you know, Click I won and, uh, you know, me being an unofficial member or whatnot, you know, there, there's a, a few different things to that, right? One of them was, you know, me in a sense, uh, wanting to kind of do my own underground MC hip hop thing, you know, backpacker rap <laughs> kind of thing. And, uh, and they were going a, a, in a slightly different direction. And, uh, there was also, you know, issues with one member of the group and it wasn't bad boy or Merrill, <laughs> um, that there was some hesitations there, you know, some kind of things, you know, it is what it is. But, um, but regardless of the fact, you know, um, we were all still there, still clicked up, still making music. Uh, so uh, around that time, so after that first album came out, um, you know, uh, click on one already had a, a pretty large following, you know, uh, the, the first underground record, there was some songs that got picked up by thump records, like late night creep was one of them. And, uh, that was a really good record by the way. So, uh, by then, I mean, we're, we're taking trips out to Cali. We're kicking it with Frost. You know, uh, if you're familiar with Little One on San Diego, we were going out kicking it there with him. You know, linking with different producers out there. Binky being one of them, man. Super dope producer out there. Super dope records, man. And um, I remember one time <laughs> on the way back from San Diego and, uh, you know, we got stopped by CHP, you know. And uh, the scent coming out of the truck just gave them the okay to search everything else. <laughs> and, uh, you know, all I can say is back then the motto was, you know, stay strapped or get clapped, you know. So, you know, if you know, you know. <laughs> 
So, uh, you know, that that was the reason why me and Meryl had to spend the night at this uh, old school, like, Western style, like, jail. <laughs> like, it actually had, like, the bars, you know, the... It wasn't like one of the, the modern jails. It was like an old school jail, man. They actually had like just these bars, man. And there's this little tiny jail. But <laughs> but yeah, you know, um, big up to to Metal Metal, man. <laughs> uh, you know, luckily nothing really came of that. And, you know, and everything's all good now. But so... Um, so around that time is when we were recording Hide the Pain with G-Money, you know, which ended up being, if not one of, but the biggest record that Clique Got One had and has. I mean, it's a classic, Hide the Pain, featuring G-Money, who worked with Tupac on the Me Against the World album. So needless to say, it was pretty exciting to work with someone so close to Tupac. And we ended up doing quite a few records with G-Money. I have a few records with G-Money myself. And through him, I met Moprim Shakur, who's uh, Tupac's brother. And I did a record with him. So, in, in Vegas, when you talk about Click One and Dockwell and, or SA Doc, and you're talking about the foundation of Las Vegas music, the pillars of hip hop and rap in Las Vegas. Murderous Click, Click One, Doomsday, Al Loco, and your boy S.A. Doc, aka Docwell, aka Doc Weezy, aka Doc Doc, as my boy Merrill would say. So, from those pillars came everything else. Yeah, groups like Triple X Sins, Lost Wages. Well, now we're talking about camps, right? Campfire, you know. All that came after. So, regardless of what, you have to give respect where respect is due. As far as the pioneers of the Las Vegas rap and hip hop scene. Now, in 2023, it's a brand new game with many, many more artists doing very big things. But anyone repping Vegas in the music or rap scene that is claiming legitimacy has to be aware of the history. That came before them. It's important to recognize and acknowledge those that came before you. As we acknowledge and recognize those that came before us. The pillars, baby. <laughs> so, uh, with that being said, uh, follow me on Instagram. Uh, SA underscore Dockwell uh, YouTube follow and subscribe SA Doc uh, check me out on uh, check the music out on Apple Music or any streaming platform Spotify look up Dockwell D-O-C-W-E-L 
And of course, check out the podcast every week for new episodes. Subscribe and share. Shout out to Click One. Shout out to Doomsday. Shout out to Murderous Click. Shout out to Al Loco. Shout out to Frost. Shout out to Mr. Little One. And anyone else who supported the music scene in the Vegas Valley back in the day. And if you still do. So don't forget to share the episode and tune in every single week. The Drop with S.A. Doc. Much love. Stay safe. I'm out. Peace.